3: What's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? What's up to Logan behind the glass and you listening to wherever you are at www.com or the radio.com app. New week, same show, different topics this week is the NFL back front and center for the first time in over a month as the NFL free agency period has begun, at least the early tampering period, legal tampering period weird phrase what it means is that teams are allowed to negotiate new contracts with other players that aren't on their own teams before the new league year uh, starts and uh, what Wednesday afternoon they're going to be able to announce those deals and we've seen a slew of these new deals announced today we saw Nick Foles go to the Jaguars Landon Collins to Washington Quan Alexander gets an absurd 54 million dollars from San Francisco in what is likely to be the worst contract signed and inked here when Wednesday gets here. At least that was negotiated early. Like Quan, he's not a $54 million linebacker. I think most NFL analysts would agree. The Saints have been quiet, not unexpected considering their salary cap situation. Also, you shouldn't embrace this patient approach. Ditching these... Mega contracts, high-risk, high-reward strategy for a more frugal entry into the free agency foray, I think is a good idea. One of the reasons why the Saints have been more successful here in the last few years under this revised leadership of general manager Mickey Loomis and head coach Sean Payton. We'll get to that in just a little bit. We've got lots of guests on this night. Larry Holder of the Athletics is going to swing in in just 10 minutes to recap the day and preview what's ahead for the Saints. Eric Edholm of Pro Football Weekly Magazine gives us the national look at 840. And we turn to some basketball. We'll talk Will Wade, Javante Smart, of course, in our number two. And Mark Schlesinger, a UNO head coach as the privateers get ready for the Southland Conference Tournament. He'll swing on in at 9.20, Hour 3. Scott Alexander of Primetime Sports comes in to talk a little LSU, a little Pelicans. We'll do LSU bracketologies. Yes, they're still headed to the NCAA tournament, at least as far as we know. And, of course, they're the number one seed into the SEC Conference Tournament. Sports lives Hour 3, and that's our show for you today. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll, should LSU play Javante Smart in the postseason. He did not play on Saturday, and I hold the view that Will Wade should be suspended by LSU. However, I believe right now with what we know, and I say what we know, what the public, what the media knows, Javante Smart should play. That's a big asterisk because if LSU and there is indication that they may, and the NCAA knows more and has more direct details about Javante Smart his family accepting cash from Christian Dawkins or these money runners, then yes, he should be submitted. Right now, there's no direct link. We'll get to that later in the show. But the Saints sitting out this first wave of free agency shouldn't really surprise anybody. Went over some of the deal, uh, deals. Nick Foles, $88 million from the Jags. Trey Flowers, who might have been a target here in New Orleans, he gets $85 million from the Lions. $85 million from Detroit for Trey Flowers. That means he's a $16, $17 million a guy, uh, edge rusher. I I guess maybe that's the position in the market. Well, it was the market for sure if he's getting that much money. No way I'm paying Trey Flowers $85 million over six years for any franchise. Eye-popping deals emerging today. We knew it was going to happen. It happens every year. The trend has been clear for years. Teams are willing to pay, overpay, for top talent that's available on the market, even if that means salary cap hell down the road. There's a second trend that's also emerged over the last decade. The best-run franchises in the league, they sit this out. They don't even dip their toe into this nonsense. It's no coincidence that teams like the the Patriots, the Packers, the Steelers, the Seahawks, the Chiefs, the Ravens, and yes, the Saints usually stay out of this first wave, first few days of free agency. It's dangerous. Yes, it's tempting, but it's dangerous, and it's a game that, again, can get you into salary cap trouble down the road. Those franchises I mentioned, they're considered among the best-run franchises in the NFL. Salary cap strategies, for the most part, that they're the envy of the league. It's also no coincidence that the big money spenders for the most part today were, oh, the Lions, the Jags, Washington, the 49ers. Consistent NFL bottom feeders, folks. Those franchises usually, and this year's no exception, don't understand any problem in offering these mega contracts to top-end talent, even though they're overspending. Great talent mean in this capped league they're worth the money you're throwing at them. One misstep when you're giving guys... $20 $20 million or so a year, that can cripple your franchise for years. It's Groundhog's Day here for some of these poorly run franchises, poorly run teams. The Saints used to operate that way. Remember when they gave Jerris Bird that $56 million contract? Brandon Browner, $20 million from Seattle? Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton learned their lesson. Past three off seasons, more reasonable Lower risk strategy in free agency. They still find value in people that fit their needs, players that fit their needs, but it's after the initial gold rush here. It's smart. I think it's the right strategy. Only do I think that the general managers and people who are running some of these teams across the league, the best-run teams across the league, agree. Patriots, brutal salary cap Hawks, Seahawks, draft and trade-heavy approach to team building. Packers and Ravens been shy window shoppers in free agency. Saints turning into a, a similar type of franchise. They're ultra-aggressive in the NFL draft. We know that. So they've built their own kind of hybrid approach to team building, own mix of high-priced free agency aversion and draft-first philosophy. They don't like this high-stakes gambit that this week brings any more. So, this is me opening the show saying you shouldn't worry here that the Saints aren't grabbing headlines now. They've set themselves up for long term success. They've got young stars, lots of young talent on both sides of the football. I understand it can be frustrating when your team's not grabbing those headlines. Here's the thing, though teams usually grab headlines now or they're grabbing them in January. Which would you prefer? I know what I'd prefer. We'll talk to Larry Holder in about five minutes here on NFL Free Agency. Take one call, Rex, on the West Bank. You want to talk a little LSU here to open the show? What's up, Rex?
4: Hey, I want to talk about the stuff going on in Baton Rouge real quick. All right. Three points I want to make. Let's go back to 2010 with Cam Newton with the transaction of supposedly a $200,000 payment. There was no money transaction there. They kept their title and such. Now we're going to go to Sean Miller out there in Arizona mm-hmm. where they claimed there was a hundred and something thousand dollar payment. You know, is he suspended? Is he expelled from school or anything like that? Kicked off as a coach? No. Um, did they forfeit games? No. Was there a the third point? Is there a money transaction between Javante Smart and Will Wade or anything like that? No, that hasn't been brought to light. There's nothing stating so far that there was a transaction of any sort made. Because you say a strong offer, what is it? Could be anything. Oh, it can't be.
3: Rex, it, come it, it on. You're eight, smarter than eight. Eight, that. I, I look I think you make good points. Though, no, you Rex, you're front. on my show. You're gonna answer my questions if you're gonna call in. I'm not gonna give you three minutes just to monologue here like you do on Twitter. We're gonna have an intelligent conversation, then answer my questions. I just gave you a minute and a half there on a radio station that reaches 38 states. I don't necessarily agree with you, but I'm willing to let you go, but you're not going to talk over me. You say that the word money wasn't used. What do you think they were talking about on that tape, Rex? On those tapes, plural. I don't know. Did they say? Did they give you a dollar amount? Give me a break, Rex. You know what? I'm not talking to you anymore. That's foolish. You look foolish. If you believe... And you're just willing to bury your head in the sand and think that they weren't talking about monies or offers under the table here? We know and you know. I know you know what they were talking about. Just because you don't want to admit it doesn't mean we all don't understand what's going on here. And regardless of that, Will Wade could have not been involved in any of this. If he refuses to meet with his bosses, if he refuses to if he refuses to meet with F. King Alexander and Joe Oliva, he tells them no, gives them that proverbial middle finger, uh, he should be suspended anyways for any reason. That's insubordination. You would be suspended from your bosses if you work for somebody. I would be suspended from mine even if I'm squeaky clean. I'll tell you this. Will Wade would probably be coaching right now. He would not have been suspended if he would have agreed to meet with Alexander and Oliva, period. He was on the tapes. He made that decision. This is his boat. We'll get into this in hour number two. I'll tell you this, though. Y'all look foolish. You look foolish, and you look like homers who care nothing about integrity, morals, and ethics. You care about winning. I care about more. Larry Holder next. If you're on hold, we'll get to your calls in just a second. Also watching a little conference tournament basketball. My favorite time of the year has begun. The SEC Conference, Southland Conference tournaments down here beginning later this week. Remember, Coach Schles, Mark Schlesinger, UNO, coming on 9-20 to talk about his team's preparation for that tournament. First, though, Larry Holder at The Athletic coming on in to talk Saints free agency with us. One of the busiest times of the year for him. Larry, appreciate you carving out some time for us, buddy. How are you?
1: I'm good, Seth. Well, there's, there's not much to uh... – to, to stress about right now, right? I mean, <laughs> Craig Robertson, Chris Banjo, Super Bowl. Let's
3: go. Yeah, I, I, I am curious to get your opinion on this. I think I know, but I am. I don't think I've actually asked you this question. Do you uh, like the, this new-look Saints strategy and free agency to stay away from this initial wave of madness that they've, really, the strategy they've had the last two to three years?
1: Yeah, it's not
3: necessarily new.
1: Uh, it, it's almost that you're not used to them seeing – used to seeing them make a splash. Like the last splash they made was Jareth Byrd. That was a disaster. Uh, And I guess the last, say, splashy, uh, unexpected one would have been Kobe Fleener, and that didn't work. So, uh, you know, because like at the start of free agency, say, two years ago, uh, first day, they had A.J. Klein and Ted Ginn. So it's not like they're going out and spending mega millions. And that's really kind of been the way uh, the Saints have traditionally done it. I'm going back to when Sean Payton first arrived. I mean, he, they didn't make any major splash moves. And the one time they did it, they regret it because they wish they would have kept Malcolm Jenkins and they let Jaris Byrd go. So this doesn't surprise me. And at this rate, they're they're you know if they were overly compelled to really go all in on someone, they can shift money around and make it happen. So let's not panic about uh, maybe a lack of cap space, but but this is typically the way they like to do things. It's 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 rare if they make a big splash on day one, and that's what we're seeing right now. No
3: nothing totally surprising that they're kind of just playing it cool at this rate. What would you make of the Craig Robertson deal?
1: Oh, I, I thought it, smart deal, and it was basically the price point I figured. I mean, he was worth right around $2 million last year. Uh, you know, get him back two years, up to $4 million, That's fine. I, I think the Chris Banjo deal is fine, too. Uh, you know, you need those kind of core guys. Because let's be honest, you know, your starting safeties are set. Uh, your linebacker core, yeah, as starters are set, but Banjo would be, say, your you know your number three safety, depending on if something were to happen. to Either Marcus Williams or Vondell, Craig Robertson, he's your jack-of-all-trades, can play any of those spots. So he's basically three reserves in one. And so, you yeah, know, those those are little small moves that have to be made. Uh, for the Saints to stay successful.
3: Do you have any indication about what's going to happen with Mark Ingram and his value out on the market right now?
1: Yeah, I, when I was in Indianapolis at the Combine, uh, the number I heard floating around uh, in, uh, in, would be that the Ingram camp feels like they could get a similar contract that Marshawn Lynch got when he was 26. And I'm like, what, 26? But you go look at the numbers, and at that point, he got $7.5 million per on average per year. Do I think he can get that? No. But you always got to put start your price point high. And so I think a realistic number would be $5 million a year. Uh, but I, I don't know if the Saints want to push it that high. And so I don't blame Mark Ingram at this point for checking out his options. I still think that uh, the, the two sides will get something done. Uh, you know, I, I think the Saints know Mark Ingram's valuable still to this team, and I think Ingram, uh, if, if the Saints give a fair deal, that he would stay in New Orleans and, and, and ultimately basically finish his career. here. But uh, you never know. I mean, when you're his age, I don't blame you for chasing the money at all, period. I, I feel like, Seth, I've told you this on your show plenty enough times throughout the years. I am all for a player maximizing his value. So if Mark does want to leave, no hard feelings. It shouldn't be that way. If he gets a better deal somewhere else, do it. Because his life shelf in the NFL is certainly – uh, smaller than uh, you know than a lot of players in the league at
3: this yeah, point. I'm with you. I, I would hope that Mark Ingram's the saint for life. I think uh, he would set all the records. But, yeah, money, money talks, and I'm not going to begrudge him either. What about Teddy Bridgewater here? His, his market has dried up considerably across the league. All of a sudden, I'm not going to be surprised at all if he's back here.
2: Yeah,
1: I made a case on The Athletic. I wrote a column maybe a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, saying that there is a viable case for Teddy to stay, and it might turn out that way. It might end up being that Teddy stays, and I think it. I would want to see the deal. If he does stay, I would want to see what the years are and the numbers are. And, one, it would give you an indicator of what Teddy's market was outside of the building. And, two, I think it would give you an indicator of how long Breeze has got left. And so, you know, if that were the case, those would be the two kind of factors I would really want to see. And you could see, all right, maybe here's a, there's a future plan for this. But, you know, it, it, hey, Teddy's probably got what? Miami might be an option. Outside mm-hmm. uh, of that, you, you know, you got all these trades and uh, Foles is in Jacksonville, which isn't really a stunner. And so, yeah, it, it's, you knew the market would be kind of a little shaky, uh, for him, but uh, but yeah, it would not surprise me at this rate. Seth, I'm with you. That that if he stays, he I, I, look. I think it's it it could be a win-win for for both sides. Can
3: I hold you for 60 and, seconds? I know you were over at the PMAC. I want to ask you about that. Is that cool? Oh yeah, for sure. All right, Larry Holder of the Athletic at Larry Holder with us. 60 second break. A little more from Larry, and then back to your calls here on the last lap. Chatting with Larry Holder of the Athletic. You can find his work there. Be sure you follow him on Twitter, at Larry Holder. And remember, NFL Free Agency is here, and our WWL sports team is all over these Saints moves. You can listen for the latest every half hour in sports and every day on Sports Talk and here on The Last Lap. It's Saints Free Agency Frenzy, brought to you by the Hood Automotive Group, everything automotive under one roof. Just got done talking free agency. And, Larry, I heard you on uh, national CBS radio here. actually on our station, but on the national program yesterday, talking about your time over at the PMAC. And you were there for that crazy, weird scene on Saturday when they won a conference championship, and everybody was booing a lot of parts of of that athletic department. What did you see? And, uh, um, really, what was your experience like?
1: Yeah, it's definitely the, one of the more bizarre crowning moments, like a crowning achievement for a program, and yet it was cheering your own and jeering your own. And it was uh, anytime anyone caught a glimpse of Joe Oliva, he got the business. As soon as he, he walked up the bleachers, fans were chanting against him, Joe must go, Joe must go. So much so where when a Vanderbilt – free-throw shooter would get to the line, instead of jeering the shooter, uh, screaming something about Vandy or the player or whatever, they just started chanting Joe must go to try to distract the free-throw shooter. And so it was a, a surreal experience. And look at my, uh, the last game I'd covered was two weeks earlier when LSU beats Tennessee and Will Wade is out on center court with the microphone. Javante Smart is the hero of that game. And two weeks later, you've got this. And you've got a lot of angry people up at LSU. And, I mean, you could argue that they're misguided. And, I mean, there's certainly arguments to be made on both sides of this point. But it's just – it was definitely uh, a fascinating, bizarre atmosphere when you've got a team up for a championship. It's supposed to be this celebration, crowning moment. And it's all about – Freeing Will Wade, freeing Javante Smart, and wanting Joe Oliva fired. It was an, it was pretty remarkable.
3: It has been the twilight zone of the sports world. All all non sports topics uh, down here. All of our sports dreams turn into ash, Larry. I don't know what we did. But we did. <laughs> so we did. At, tw-
1: 2019 has been rough. <laughs> I I, I, I it. We're only we're barely three months. I in know, we're Not even three months
3: three full months in. It's been wild. while. I know, man. We need Marie Laveau or something in Vokur. Uh, Larry, appreciate it, man. Uh, we'll talk to you again, I'm sure, as this uh, free agency period progresses. Thanks so much. Yeah, you got it, Seth. Anytime, buddy. All right. At Larry Holder on Twitter. And again, be sure you follow his work at The Athletic. Worth, worth the price of the... Uh, very inexpensive subscription over there. Got some Will Wade and LSU callers on Holden. Let's get to them now. 504 260 If you want to hop on in, that's area code 504-260-1870. And our text line is eight We'll start with Patrick and Marrero. Patrick, thanks for holding on.
2: Hey, man. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. I, I just want to say this. First of all, I'm an attorney, and I'm not a squirrel. So okay. I agree with you. Unlike the previous guy, they were talking about money. With that said, uh, I just want to say this: in this country, you have the right to lie, except to a few people and at certain times. You cannot lie to the, a judge, you cannot lie to the FBI, you cannot lie on federal or state forms, but you can lie to your neighbor, your business partner, anything. So what I heard was a guy talking about a potential crime with someone else. All right? I did hear that. Now, that doesn't mean that the crime was consummated. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they have proof that it was consummated or not, but if his defense is, look, uh, NCAA or FBI, uh, in order to talk to these kids on a a basketball level, I have to talk to these so-called recruiters or intermediaries or whatever you want to call them. And I would have told this guy anything he wanted to hear just to get to the kid and when I talked to the kid I told him he doesn't need to be hanging with these type of people and what he's what this sure trying no to I, do I understand illegal. I understand
3: what you're saying and actually uh, Patrick here's what I'll say and I think it's a good point and I appreciate the call because you are right this is why before the suspension happened before we found out everything that happened what was it, last Thursday or Friday that I was here on this station and people were asking me would you suspend Will Wade and I said no And I wouldn't have with the evidence that was out there. But that changed when he told his bosses, no, I'm not going to go meet with you and talk about this. They wanted that. He said no. And that's just a a blatant act of insubordination that they can suspend, suspend him for, regardless of anything extracurricular going on. So they had to suspend him at that moment. They just did. And with Javante Smart, I think he should play. Right now, I think he should play. I think LSU went too far with that. If Zion Williamson, whose father is apparently on these transcripts, on these wiretaps, talking to Kansas about the money that they want, the dad is talking about the money he wants for his son to play there and the job that he wants and all this nonsense, well, then why isn't Javante Smart playing? Why is Zion Williamson escaping the brunt here while Javante Smart is being made an example of? Now maybe the NCAA knows more. It certainly could happen. Maybe LSU knows more than the public knows right now. That is a distinct possibility. Heck, it may be even a probability. But Wade had to be suspended. Smart, in my view, not so much. Thanks for the call. Good points. Let's go to Jason in Dallas. Jason, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hey.
4: Yeah, um, I think I think what's going on with this whole situation. They're really overlooking the entire aspect of what's going on. You say, how you say that? Well, y'all talking about a presumption of a money offer, this and that. First off, I talked to some people up here that's not NCAA, but they work for the government. The FBI does not investigate NCAA violations.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So y'all sitting here talking about, well, oh, there's a presumption of this payment. That's not what's going on. Why would Will Wade not talk to his boss? Right. He's on a gag order.
3: Well, his it was advice of his attorney is what Ross Dellinger said. His sources told him.
4: Correct. Because what's being investigated is a massive prostitution chain that's going on with these guys that are recruiting.
3: These players. Well, well we don't. Have- I'm not. I'm not. I, I can't. I, I can't. Just for integrity reasons, for the show, Jason, I, I can't allow you to, to talk about those kind of conspiracy theories on here. And Nothing like that has has been brought to light in any any way at all. Period. It's it's not confirmed. It's not even. It, it, frankly, no reputable outlet is even speculating on that. It did happen to Rick Patino when he was. Hey, and his assistant coaches, and he was in the Louisville program, head coach there when they had these sex parties for recruits. I mean, that was that was proven. Patino says he didn't know about it. I don't believe that for a second, by like, Patino. I don't believe it at all. But uh, Jason, I just I can't, man. I, I can't. There's more that than we know, assuredly. But come on, gotta stick with facts here. 504-260-1870. And by the way, the fact that I'm sickening with is that Will Wade was caught on tape. That's not conjecture or speculation or hearsay. We heard that one of the tapes in court, in federal courts, and then another one they got a hold of. And reportedly, there's a whole handful of these with Will Wade on them. 504-260-1870. Text line is eight seventy eight seventy. More about Will Wade. And of course, more about NFL free agency. Eric Edholm of Pro Football Weekly Joins the show next. Ah, uh, yes, the wild first wave of NFL free agency in progress right now against some of the deals that have been reported out there. Nick Foles to the Jags for $88 million. Trey Flowers gets a boatload of money. What is it, uh, $85 mil, uh, uh, Was it $16, 17000000 million a year? Quan Alexander over $50 million to San Francisco. So what happens every year? Guys get overpaid in this first wave, and I think the Saints are smart for staying above the fray. Really, that's what the smart franchises in the NFL, smart front offices do. They, They stay out of this mess for the most part. The Patriots almost, not always, but almost never engage in this. Seahawks, same thing. Ravens, Steelers, Packers. Some of these consistently relevant franchises don't engage in this, and right now the Saints have not in the last handful of years. Well, the last three years anyways since the Jaris Bird contract and then the Brandon Browner contract the year after that. We're bringing on in Eric Edholm of Pro Football Weekly to go over everything that's happened today. And Eric, welcome into the program. And indeed, it was just like usual, wild and, and fast-paced and money, Brinks trucks everywhere, man. What's going on?
5: Yeah, no, I, we haven't even technically started yet. That's the best part. Is we we're in this, <laughs> you know, we're in this uh, spring training version of... Uh, of free agency and the real stuff happens but yeah most of these deals 99% of them are going to go through as advertised and you know some of the 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 sticker prices are a little bit misleading you know and they're they're agent driven numbers so we're going to get the real details on what's guaranteed and what's not but yeah I mean 14 15 million for a linebacker just
3: yeah. It blows my mind a little bit. It, it blows my mind too. You have any favorite deals so far and least favorite deals? I'm sure there's quite a few of those least favorite ones.
5: Yeah. I mean, uh Coleccio assembly getting traded from the rate. I mean, you know, we're talking about an offensive guard, but still, I mean, y- you know, it's like getting traded for a flop of late draft picks. That's really good value for a team like the jets that has the salary cap space to take on the money of his existing deal not give up much to the draft, protect Sam Darnold. It's, it's those type of moves. And you were kind of referring to it in the, in the open there, you know, uh, sometimes just going out and signing another players, you know, another team's player, I should say, you're often going one or $2 million per year over what the home team might pay for them. And so that, that kind of tells you something, doesn't it? That, A lot of these deals aren't going to be wise. And we're going to see, you know, two or three years from now, a lot of these guys are going to be back on the market because their
3: teams aren't getting the value they need out of it. Are there any trends emerging here? Like, uh, for example, one that I guess I see is, you mentioned it, linebackers now really getting paid in free agency, which we hadn't seen a ton of. There's been some spotty, uh, you know, uh, contracts like that over the last couple of years. I think the Hightower won last year, but for the most part, uh, this is a little unprecedented.
5: Yeah, I mean, look, Quan Alexander's a good football player, and I know a lot of people around there will, will agree with me, but still, I mean, I coming off the ACL injury and you know getting $13.5 million per year a bit stunning to me. Anthony Barr from the Vikings a few minutes ago was, was reported to the Jets for an average somewhere in the fourteen to fifteen million range. I mean, this is average per year for a non-quarterback, a non-pass rusher. I mean that. Look, I I love versatile and athletic linebackers who can stay on the field all three downs. I, I'm a big fan, right? You can do a lot with that. You can rush them, you can drop them, you can play them on whatever. But at that price, what can you do at other positions? You know, we're we're sitting here quibbling over the weekend about oh, is Antonio Brown worth the money? I mean, we know what Brown can do. Some of these guys are a bit of a projection, and they're changing defensive schemes, which, you know, I mean, linebackers, the role that's probably most affected by what front you play, et cetera, what coverages you're going to be in and and how that affects how you're going to play. So I I don't know. To me, it's a little bit mystifying. And so as you pointed out, I mean, I think the good teams, the savvy teams got to take care of their own, not one year ahead of time, but sometimes two. And, and, you know, that'll apply to Michael Thomas and other people who are coming up the next couple of years. And, you know, that's that's the deal. you gotta you got to protect your own before they get to this point, point, then the prices get really absurd.
3: It's Eric Edholm, NFL writer for Pro Football Weekly magazine, at Eric underscore Edholm on Twitter. What's the quarterback market turning into right now? What teams are left in that market? And, of course, we're wondering about Teddy Bridgewater down here. Sure.
5: Uh, yeah, no, it's a good question. I think, Teddy, unfortunately, you know, the, the market's kind of drying up a little bit. We still have a draft, too, where two quarterbacks could go in the top five or six picks. You know, uh, maybe another first-rounder with Drew Locke, et cetera. So, I think teams are almost kind of falling back on that and saying, okay, Nick Foles to Jacksonville, that one's figured out. Miami, they haven't really revealed their plans yet, which makes you wonder if they're going to be draft participants or if they'll try to sweat Teddy out. He's a hometown kid. Maybe they'll wait till you know, the first wave of free agency passes, you know, Redskins just traded for Case Keenum. So all of a sudden you look, there's not a lot of options for starting type jobs. We know how much fun Teddy had last year as the backup. We know he's competitive and wants a starting opportunity at some point, but we also know his teammates and his coaches respected and liked the guy. So there is a chance and a better one than I thought maybe a week or two ago that he could return to the Saints on a very modest deal and that, you know, the trade they swung will end up kind of paying off a little bit now that it's not just a one-year rental. So I think Saints fans can probably feel a little bit better about those chances coming through.
3: One guy that I think the football world right now that all this initial madness is going to subside in the next uh, 24, 48 hours or so, going to be looking at is Earl Thomas. Not here for the Saints, but, of course, we're wondering where he will land. And I'm actually seeing stories that he may wind up back with Seattle. That just seems absurd to me with how they left it. But what's going to happen with Earl? Yeah, a
5: lot of hurt feelings, but if they're willing to pay, those feelings can get uh, soothed pretty quickly, I would think. So, yeah, he, Seattle has to figure out what to do with Frank Clark first. So they may have a, a little maneuvering that has to happen before that could even be a possibility. San Francisco, they're trying to use Richard Sherman as a, a recruiting uh, tool of sorts, and we know they're paying out off-the-ball linebackers big money, so maybe they're you know, one of the leading contenders as well. Dallas Cowboys I just think that it's going to outprice price them I really don't think it's going to get to the point where they're comfortable spending more than you know 10 11 12 million dollars per year but we're seeing all these safeties now get huge money look at the Landon Collins deal that's you know look at, at some of the other ones that have come across 13 per year for a position that for the franchise tag only counted I think 10.2 million so Now you're going 40% over that mark. What does that tell you? These guys are resetting the market and Earl wants in and he probably wants a two year, 30 million deal, something like that. And you know, he wants to probably go above where Tyron Matthew did with the chiefs today, where Eric Berry previously did with the chiefs. I don't know. That's that. It's going to be fascinating to see the length of the deal, the guaranteed money and the average per year for I
3: people, yeah, I think people forget that he's still on the right side of thirty. He's only twenty nine years old in that position. Yeah, you uh, can play a long time in this league. I'll be watching that. What are some other names we should watch for tomorrow and heading into Wednesday?
5: The biggest name, I mean, Le'Veon Bell. Everyone's been talking about for well two years, but <laughs> for a while now anyway. Before that, but I don't know what his market is. I think the Jets are, are also kind of trying to slow play this thing a little bit. I do think they're interested. We saw a couple running backs sign today, some lower-end guys like, you know, uh, Mike Davis with the Bears, et cetera. But, you know, I don't think he's going to get the big bonanza money that, that he that he banked on getting or that a lot of media folks are projecting. I don't think it's going to be some four-year mega deal with lots of guaranteed money. His best option might be to do the one-year prove-it kind of deal where, you know, like, look at Dante Fowler out in L.A. He had a great second half of the season. He re $14 million for one year. He's banking on himself again. That could be the kind of thing Le'Veon Bell ends up taking. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading the tea leaves wrong on this one. But wouldn't stun me if Bell's numbers are more of a short-term,
3: higher percentage of payoff kind of contract. All right, one more, Eric. Mark Ingram. Uh, we're wondering what's going to happen with him. What's the yeah. market like for running backs there? What can you tell us?
5: Yeah, I mean, Philly would be involved. Bears seem out, obviously, now with uh, with Davis going to Chicago. They're limited in their cap space. Saints are obviously – you know, going to be going to get a shot to re-sign him a little bit. But, uh, you know, again, I don't think I see a lot of teams who are just sitting there saying, all right, I need that, that you know, that, that good complimentary back without spending a certain amount. So, you know, again, I think the Saints will have a different for Bridgewater, but I think they'll have a shot. I think they'll have a shot to keep him. I don't know if it's going to get out of hand at any point. I know salary cap space is an issue. I know they have tight end and pass rusher needs as well. But they'll, they'll have an opportunity to match, I think, and so at least get in the same neighborhood as another team. So we'll see if a team like the Eagles kind of steps up or somebody like that.
3: Eric, uh, this was fantastic, man. Lots of great info. I really appreciate it, and I know we'll have you on again soon. Thanks so much. Appreciate that. Thank you. All right, Eric Hedholm of Pro Football Weekly Magazine, at Eric underscore Edholm, one of the busiest guys in the country right now. Thanks again for him taking the time tonight to join us here on The Last Lap. We're going to break when we come back. We've got some callers wanting to talk. Will Wade? We will. 504-260-1870. The text line, eight seventy eight seventy. here on The Last Lap. Facebook live chat coming up top of the hour. WWL Radio Facebook page. Hang on for that. Also, our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll. Should LSU play Javante Smart in the postseason? You can cast your vote at WWL.com or the radio.com app. Let's go to the phone lines. Derek in Algiers. Thanks for holding on, Derek. What's going on? Derek, are you there? All right, we're going to put Derek on hold. Uh, Logan, check Derek out. He's been holding on quite a while. Later in the show, we're going to talk a little actual college basketball, not just all of this coaching nonsense and scandal at LSU with Will Wade and the pay-for-play scheme, but – LSU again, number one seed into the tournament. Regular season SEC conference champions climbing up most of the bracketology projections. But why they might slip, yeah, it has to do with Javante Smart, less to do with Will Wade. Let's go back to Derek in Algiers. Derek, welcome to the show. Hey,
4: hey, how you doing, Seth? Good. Okay, this is the thing. I, the last two with what, what they heard was a presumption of a, of a money being paid. The call was an illegal call because it's still – why a fraud. Even if it's a presumption of doing something, you was presuming you was gonna, you was uh, seeming to, to commit a crime, which you commit a crime anyway, because
3: you mean like conspire, conspiring fraud. to commit a crime, yeah, right. So you're yes. saying the, the conspiracy yes. was the crime. Uh, yeah, well, yes, I mean that's yeah. I, look, that's why people are going to prison for this. I, I I'm not. I'm not a lawyer. So I don't know if Will Wade faces legal ramifications from this. We do have lawyers, and some of them are on our station today, saying Will Wade better watch out because he might be, especially when he's called to testify there. Remember, he's he's being subpoenaed to testify in this trial on April 22nd. He is not on trial. But, Derek, I think you're right in that just because he doesn't use the word money or there's no direct red line, from Will Wade to the bag man or Will Wade to Javante Smart with cash in hand, people have been convicted with much less circumstantial evidence than having yourself, if you're Will Wade, on multiple federal wiretaps on these phone conversations with now a guy who's convicted in this case. I just got to keep pointing that out. Remember, this isn't something that hasn't been proven. Christian Dawkins and... The shoe executives were convicted in a federal court. Appreciate the call, Derek. We'll get into this much more next hour. And it's a little personal note from me. If you wonder why the, I seem so fired up about this issue, I seem so passionate about this issue, is because I'm passionate about the sport of college basketball. I'm not naive to the business that is college basketball, nor am I naive to to the dirty business that goes on behind the scenes way too much in college basketball. But that doesn't mean that I'm not a little bit idealistic and that I want this sport cleaned up. You know who else wants this cleaned up? Guys like John Beeline, who's on record now as kind of a vocal crusader, said, get the cheaters out of the game, talking about his fellow head coaches. Mark Few at Gonzaga. Gonzaga playing tonight at WCC. Jay Wright Villanova. These I, I use these names, and I keep using them. You're, Seth, I'm tired of you bringing up these names. So I'm using them repeatedly so that you know, and you can use them in your own conversations, that college basketball at the highest level can be done the right way. It just can. We're going live on Facebook right now, talking a little NFL free agency and why it's okay. The Saints aren't making a splash.
0: Okay, picture this